0: Filmmaking is a very extremely hard and expensive thing to do. Even for like production houses and great like creative teams. I speak a lot with producers of major like production companies and streaming services and artists that have won like Academy Awards. And sometimes just coming up with like visualizing their ideas takes them like years. So the moment you can take the cost of content and creating those ideas down to zero then quantity of ideas will go like exponentially like to the roof, which is great. Like we're gonna start seeing things that we've never even like thought of before because new people are gonna be able to like express those. And so it's a very exciting time in the sense of there's gonna be like a creative explosion that we have perhaps have never experienced before. And we're gonna start hearing from people and ideas and stories that we have never even like heard of before.
1: Welcome to the Curiosity Podcast, where we go deep on a wide variety of technical topics with the smartest leaders in the world. I'm Imad Akun, CEO and co-founder of
2: Mercury. And I'm Raj Suri. and I'm the co-founder of Lima, Lyft, and Presto Automation. And today we're talking to Chris Valenzuela, who is the co-founder and CEO of Runway.ml. This company is doing some really cool things in, on the frontiers of AI, where they're translating ideas and text to moving pictures and videos. They're really on the forefront. They're the leader in the space in this area. They're really being used to make movies today. And this has been a really fascinating conversation with Chris. I think he is such a visionary and really kind of seems tailor-made for this problem. What do you think about this conversation? You kind of touched on this, but, you know, runway has raised more than 150 million,
1: but Chris really is looking at this from a life mission perspective he wants to make it so creatives can be freed to express themselves using ai and it's such an interesting problem and most other ai is a lot more kind of practical you know it's like let's go answer these questions or do search and things like that whereas runway truly is like exposing ai to creativity and that kind of meld is like super interesting and if anyone has a chance, they should check out some of the videos that people are creating with Runway. It's really amazing what you can do with AI and kind of generation of images and video.
2: Yeah, it seems like the application is like, it feels like it should be possible, you know, with the AI technology, but it's unclear when it's going to happen. And so excited to have this conversation because it's really going to be interesting to learn the details from Chris. So with that, let's welcome Chris.
1: Hi, Chris. Welcome to the Curiosity Podcast. Extremely excited to chat with you. I wanted to jump straight in. So Runway is super interesting. Uh, it's combining kind of cutting edge AI with kind of this creative industry film. Yeah, How did you, I guess, get experienced enough and understand both of those things well enough to like found this company?
0: First of all, thank you for inviting me. Happy to be here chatting. I mean, Runway is now turning five years and I think I've been working on the idea of Runway for almost a decade now, kind of like coming from both a research engineering but also an arts background. It's been a passion of mine and the thing that really drives me and my co-founders and the company to find the spaces in between science and art. That's what we do at Runway. We merge fundamental research and foundational models with great crafting and great products that can be used by artists and filmmakers and creatives of all kinds of people to make great stuff. And so it's a combination of an interest, I would say, that the team
1: has and the founders have in in both art and science and how to merge those. So when you started 10 years ago before, you know, for five years it wasn't a company, what was that path? And did you think this was always going to be a company or you were just kind of exploring?
0: Yeah, just to be clear, the company's five years, but I've been thinking about the idea and researching it for some time. Eight years ago, I come from like a interesting, weird background. I say I was doing like econ and kind of like programming on, and freelancing on the side, but I was also doing art back in Chile, where I'm from. I actually was exhibiting at a museum uh, and a few museums in Chilean exhibitions, and one of the exhibitions I did was a typewriter connected to a software that I wrote that would allow you to create and generate videos while you type. And so imagine like a stand where an old Olivetti machine was like standing and you can go in like physically typing words and then videos were projected on the screen. And so I was trying to like experiment or ideate or kind of like come up with ways of transferring language attacks into video. And this is before any of the kind of like biggest like models that we've seen so far, even before, of course, like Gen 1 and Gen 2, this is like eight, nine years ago. And so I think I went into a rabbit hole of like what happens when you start building perhaps research tools or systems that can blend between the way we think about the world. And so how do you filmmakers think about it, perhaps via scripts or via your own like thoughts? What happens when you have technology that can transfer thoughts into moving images? How do we get there? And that kind of drove me into moving to New York to study at NYU, where I met my co-founders. And we just started like going into our deeper rabbit hole of, of exactly that, like tools for augmenting like human imagination by building these very complex models. But most importantly, focusing on, on the outputs of how people are going to be using those. I would say a lot of experimentation, research, going into unknown places, but a lot of fun. This is what I care a lot about.
1: What gave you confidence that five years ago that this was ready to be a company versus kind of a research project?
0: I never thought of starting a company, to be honest. I think that the company founded us. This is what we always wanted to do. We've been obsessed with creative tools and building these generative models for video, audio, image, text. And we realized that the best way to really devote ourselves to accomplishing this mission was to build a company around it. I don't think I've ever considered myself a founder or like I thought of myself as an entrepreneur I never like, thought of raising money. I was just trying to like, do exactly what I care and love about. And then you quickly realize if you want to do that at scale and really have an impact, the best path forward is working and starting a company. I come from a different perspective of, of approaching and building a company rather than like, thinking that I'll do it from day one.
2: I love this description of translating thought into moving images. It's kind of what I think you said. It was really interesting. What I think about when you say that is like, look, moving images have so much more data in it. There's so much more data rich than our thoughts in some ways. When we do think of things, we do think of images sometimes, but we also translate those images into words. Then you're trying to translate those words back into moving pictures. How do you deal with that problem of like, you know, you're trying to convert like words, essentially words into moving pictures? Or do you think of it more as, as translating like images and words or like other content into these moving pictures?
0: That's an interesting question because it goes back to the root as to why do you want to do it in the first place? Like, why is it that it's worth finding these systems or multi-model systems that can transfer or translate words into images or moving images and videos? I think the, the goal for us is rooted in the idea that it should be an expressive tool. And an expressive tool can actually have different forms of exploration. If you speak with a filmmaker or an artist or a musician or any, like, creative of any kind... Inspiration and ideas come from anywhere, from anything. And so being able to translate not just your thoughts, but sometimes like a beat, a music rhythm, or a meme match into another form of art is at the root of any creative process. Inspiration comes from sometimes looking at, I don't know, a color or an art piece or uh, sometimes the street or people. And so if you think about it from that regards, more than just text to video, or rewards to video, it should be a process where you can do everything to anything. So audio to video, or video to images, and images to video. And that's what really happens in the minds of any filmmaker, artist, and creative. You're thinking in all sorts of different senses, and if you think even like when you watch a film, when you go into the theater, it's a multi experience. There's audio, there's video, there's text, there's, it's an experience. And so I think creative tools and I think tools in general should work in the same way that we think and that we work. And it wasn't possible before because the tools were very much unidirectional. They were they were reacting to us. We were doing something and they were just like following those instructions. But the new level of like models that we're heading into and the new level of capacities of these AI systems would allow us to have a much more like feedback process system where you create something in some way You can just say like an idea or something, and then the system might react to you in a way that you might do it with a human as well. And so for us, it's more about that. How do we go from anything to everything rather than just like text to video? And then, of course, there's challenges and problems and like things that need to be built to make that happen. But I always come back to like, it's not just about text to video. It's about like what people want to do and how do you build really meaningful products
2: based on that? Yeah, that's super cool. That's a really exciting vision. Anything to anything. How do you deal with the degrees of freedom issue? Like, you know, when you're converting anything to anything, you basically almost have infinite possibilities, right? Do you think it's actually meant to, like, inform a creative person's idea or kind of inspire them? Or is it meant to actually... Like, what if the creative person wants something different from what is presented and wants a different output? How do you close that loop? Like, for example, I want an image of a horse galloping in a a meadow or something. You know, there's, like... A million different ways to present that so do you think it's more of like kind of inspiring the creative or like here's some possibilities of a horse galloping in a meadow or is it trying to actually capture and, and ask the creative you know is it summer is it winter is it a gray horse is it a white horse I'm trying to actually get the image out of the creative's brain into that thing like how do you think about those two different kind of paradigms I think
0: I always thought about the creative process really as an exploration process. And so it's really hard to optimize for that because sometimes and most of the times you don't know exactly what you're looking for and what you're trying to do. You just start doing something and then you find an avenue and you find a stepping stone that leads you to something else. And I think the, the core, I would say... Approach and philosophy is of how you. I would like to think about the best products or the best experiences that will help you explore that. Are the ones that don't have a very determined direction that you can take. So, if there's only like one singular option, this comes a lot. I would say from research these days, where a lot of the research in both image and video and models in general comes from the fact that you want to find a benchmark or a number to improve within a specific field or metric, right? And so. You're thinking about it in a very linear way. How do I solve for creating an image? How do I solve for creating a video? But like creativity can be solved. It's not an option that you're going to do X and you're going to get Y. Creativity is a process. And so these tools shouldn't just allow you to create the perfect image. They should allow you to have control over how you create multiple images, how you create thousands of videos. Like the best filmmakers are not the ones that just take a camera and shoot in the street one video. They're making videos every single day for like 10, 20, 30 years. And that goes by to any creative discipline. I mean, the best writers are not the ones that are just like typing one sentence and getting it right. They are the ones that are grinding every single day at the computer, like typing a lot to find the right story and iterate on that story and then find interesting things to tell. I like to think it from that perspective of it's hard to think about it as a problem to be solved and more as a, a continuum that always needs to be explored.
2: So it's like letting a thousand flowers bloom and like help them exp- with their exploration and get them closer to the emotional truth that they're looking to find.
1: Exactly. That's right. We've talked about kind of multimodal stuff, right? Like audio, image, video. I mentally put runway in the box of like, this is AI augmented video slash filmmaking. Is that a r- incorrect mental box? Is runway for all these kind of different modal or is it mostly about video?
0: It's mostly about imagination and multimodal systems. I think, again, we're building tools for human creativity and human creativity is a state of mind that can take different shapes and forms. I think we've always had this idea, and even now we're we're talking a lot about AI art, where people think about art as pixels, as beautiful images, as things you can generate. I think art can be anything. Art can be a performance, can be a poem, can be an image, can be a video, can be a sound, can be an experience, can be a, like a dance, it's anything. And the tools that we're really building at Runway are tools to help drive that creative process forward. I would say analogy or comparison I've come to like always refer to when thinking about both where things are heading on the AI landscape, but also like our mission at Runway is to think of of what we're building as a new kind of camera. The camera was perhaps one of the most important like technological breakthroughs in the art in the last 150 years. Before the invention of the camera, which led to the invention of moving pictures and film and cinema, which is now considered, like, the seventh art, the only way to visually tell something was painting. And the camera represented a breakthrough for not only artists, but, like, society at large. Like, entire cities and industries and countries, right, were built on the idea of capturing light, of having a device that, via photosensible sensible materials, was able to, like paint a picture, not by painting, but by technology, by the device that's smart enough to do it. And so, and that enabled itself a bunch of new, different creative expressions that weren't like even imaginable before the invention of the camera. Like you think about visual effects and people who spend time doing CGI or editors, for example, those are professions and creative domains that just didn't exist 150 years ago. And so for runway is sometimes we think about it very, very similarly. This is a moment in time where we're seeing one of the largest transformations in the arts that can only perhaps resemble the one we saw 150 years ago with the invention of the camera, the jobs, the professions, the type of artistic explorations and jobs that will emerge from it is still to be like seen because we're still in the very early stages of this
1: new camera. Practically speaking, someone who's editing photographs normally uses Adobe Photoshop or something and someone's. That's editing. Audio might use GarageBand or something like that. So I guess in terms of the software that you actually make, do you actually deal with all of these different things? Like you can drop in a picture and edit it or video and everything is kind of natively handled or do you just focus on like one of these mediums?
0: I think it depends on like the scope of focus you want to have from a product side of things and focusing on short-term or long-term like uh, visions. For short-term, I think there's a lot of like AI enable or enable power features that will make the life of editors for both image, video, audio, whatever like, model of expression you're using to be faster and, and quicker. I think ultimately, if you think about this as a new, entirely different form of expression, then you won't have Photoshop's, You won't have video editing in the way we know about it. And again, if you go back to the camera, like The tools that people had at the time were brushes and paint tubes and oils and canvases. And those were the things people were using to tell stories with images. The first time the camera was around, what people tend to do was to use the camera as a paintbrush. And so do portraits and do the same things that you were doing before, but with this new medium. Now, when things really started to change was the moment that people realized that the camera was a completely different medium. It enables something completely set of different grammars and a completely different set of like creative possibilities that weren't necessarily related to what painting used to be. It was just different. It was completely different. And so for Runway, and I think for us, we always thought about it from that perspective. There's a chance and there's an opportunity to build a better version of the creative tools that we have today. Mm-hmm. But the much more interesting long term version for us is like it won't look like any of those things. we were using paint brushes today, we're painting with oil. And this thing that we're about to experience won't look like anything we've used to in the last 10, 20 years. And that's really exciting because it's still to be defined. It's, like, still to be determined, like, the form and the shape of that creative form. And it's a matter of getting more people to
1: experiment with it and play with it and kind of, like, figure out together what that looks like. So when you're writing, like, launching Gen 2 runway... uh... I guess you figured out some of that, right? Like, so maybe you can just describe it. Is it a plugin into existing software? Is it a completely standalone software? Like, How does it work and how do people interact with it?
0: It's software of its own. If you think about digital video, video and the, the processes of pre- and post-production are based on assumptions that were built 30, 40 years ago. You have content that you need to edit and compose in a non-linear form and you put tracks and objects and you have brushes and scissors that are actually coming from like the analog world metaphor, you render video. You click like file export and you render a video, right? And so the story is baked in a very specific way. Now, the moment we're going to start switching from render pixels to generate pixels, you might never have to export anything again because you're just generating them, hopefully at some point in real time. And so the narrative possibilities there radically change. The form of the idea of creating content linearly and having that being distributed in the same way to everyone might change. And you might watch a video or a film or a short film from one point of view, and I might watch it from a different point of view. Or you might be a character in a movie and I'll be the same character in the same movie because those videos are being, and those stories are being generated as you're watching them, which again, changes the nature of how you create them in the first place. I think a lot of it will be language will have a huge impact a lot of the content will be created or, imp- or like started, but just like natural language, the way we're doing it right now, you can just prompt and get like videos out. You need still a bit more control over how you manipulate the content that you are created. A great mental model that we build in Runway is to try to think about those multi-narrative like angles instead of like very linear
1: stories that you can make. I have a rough idea of like how large language models work. And I have a rough idea of how kind of diffusion models work around kind of image generation. Are you putting these kind of technologies together to go edit a video? Or is this like fundamentally a different technology that's kind of enabling runway? From language models? I mean, like, yeah, if someone types in, like, show me a horse galloping, are you taking those language models, applying kind of diffusion and like generating images that you kind of stick together? Or is it like a fundamentally kind of different approach? It's a combination of that.
0: Like you have a language model that's able to semantically translate your intentions into, like, a picture or a a video. And the thing that we're working on, and I think other folks are also working on it, is trying to improve the accuracy of the descriptions of what you want and how those are represented in the image that you get. Because if I write a red car driving in the street, we all will have different mental models and ideas of what that red car driving down the street looks like. And so... That's not a solvable problem, like because it depends on taste and aesthetics and ideas and how you want to see that car driving through the street. And so, coming up with a model that can understand your kind of like direction and maybe at some point can also be trained on your taste and your intuition as well. So, it can work almost as an, as an extension of yourself. And that's where I go with creative augmentation. You're augmenting your creative capacity by having some sort of system that perhaps might think in a very similar way that you do and then allows you to create stuff like this. But at a technical level, yeah, it's a mixture of models that will work in different domains, including language models on the using transformers. Most of the, these days are just built on top of that. And then video and image models, There, there's a lot of explorations as well of moving beyond diffusion to transformer-based architectures as well that just
2: provide much more control and quality overall. I think you spoke really powerfully about the impact that camera had and created all sorts of new opportunities for artists and, and creative people. And of course, that's happened probably for, you know, the video camera as well and other, you know, forms of technology over the years. You know, iPhone probably has unlocked a whole bunch of creativity as well. What do you think it looks like? I mean, 10 years from now with the power of runway, assuming runway and this type of technology is working, you know, in the way that you hope it will work in 10 years from now, it's working as smoothly. What do you think society looks like? What do you think are the fundamental changes? I mean, just kind of a You know, maybe let's dive in a little bit deeper into that. The artist lifestyle, the creative lifestyle, is like, is every person can be a director, you know, or an editor, or are we going to be making movies for fun, like in our, um, in our spare time? Like, I'm curious, what do you think of like that future?
0: We have a saying in Runway that I think perfectly encapsulates this idea, which is the best movies are yet to be made. The best stories are yet to be told. We think we've seen the golden era of cinema. I think we're not even close to the golden era that we'll start to see in the next couple of years. Most of the stories we've been seeing out there are coming from a very, 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 extremely very like small set of people. And so there are people around the world that are using Runway to tell their stories in ways that they couldn't before. Almost every day I got emails from people who are thanking us for creating a tool that helped them tell... A story they wanted to tell, but they never had the means to. And that's actually like the the most interesting and impactful way that disruptive technology like impacts people is that you make things more convenient. Filmmaking is a very extremely hard and expensive thing to do. even for like production houses and great like creative teams, I speak a lot with producers of major like production companies and streaming services and artists that have won like Academy Awards. And sometimes just coming up with, like, visualizing their ideas takes them, like, years. And so the moment you can take the cost of content and creating those ideas down to zero, then quantity of ideas will go, like, exponentially, like, to the roof, which is great. Like, we're going to start seeing things that we've never even, like, thought of before because new people are going to be able to, like, express those. And so it's a very exciting time in the sense of there's going to be, like, a creative explosion that we have perhaps have never experienced before. And we're going to start hearing from people and ideas and stories that we have never even like heard of before, which is for me a great thing to think about.
2: Yeah, super exciting. In
1: that world, do you imagine there won't be actors and actresses? Like right now, if I think about making a film, it's quite complicated, right? I have to think of a script, I have to find the people, I have to find the location, like potentially you're You start to think of the script. Maybe actually that could be augmented as well, but you're cutting out a bunch of pieces in between, right? Like, do you imagine that we just won't need those pieces in between or is there another world where like we still have actors and actresses and locations?
0: I'll go back to the camera analogy because at the time the camera was developed, these same type of questions were being asked. Like what happens with like models that are posing for paintings? Are they going to like disappear? Like, are they going to be out of a job? And the truth is that they change. The idea of being photogenic, for example, was only born because of a camera. And that created an entire industry. And that created an assumption of a type of person and job that just didn't exist before. And that industry was a lot bigger. Of course. And now we, we give it as a norm. It's like a law, right? That That's how things work. But it's not. It was completely invented. It was completely made up. And it worked really well. Those professions and those professionals of the future might not even be called actors. There might be something else. It might be a variation of it. It might be an evolution of what we think of an actor these days. It's hard to predict and like entirely like describe. We'll still have some sort of like acting and performance,
1: but perhaps it will be very different from how we understand it today. I guess I have one more potential downside. I'm sure people ask you about it. Presumably deep fakes will become a lot easier. I don't think we're there yet, but yeah, you know, there'll be a some point where you can make a video of me saying whatever you want me to say and it will look just as convincing as this video. I guess two questions, you know. A is that avoidable? And then B, how far away do you think it is? I mean, we're not far. That's happening right now. You can create avatars
0: and do the likeness of anyone using models. The consistency of those and the angles and the camera shapes and forms that you can take are still a limited, but for me, that that represents only a small percentage of what you can do with this, right? So there's a thousand things that video and jetty models will allow you to do and are allowing you to do. One of them is this idea of creating deepfakes, which also has a great potential and can also have a very like impactful misuse using their own way. But that's where I go. And again, some of the same questions were asked many years ago when cameras became like ubiquitous, where everyone had a camera, where people are like, we should stop cameras because privacy will be completely like torn away from people. You're going to be able to record anything, and maybe you don't want to be recorded. And that still is the case, but there were norms and rules. And now it's illegal to record someone without asking them, for example. And so you've come up with like social norms about how to make sense of that technology and prevent misuses. And this is, I would say, something very similar. It's like... You can do a thousand things with these models. Maybe one of them will be really bad. We should make sure that we build norms and systems and regulations to make sure those things are like in place. So if people want to do bad stuff, we can prevent them. But the overall output of everything else is
1: just net positive. Do you think they will be detectable? Or do you think deep fakes will be too convincing?
0: There are mechanisms of like there's watermarks, like digital watermarks and like encrypted watermarks within uh, like RANU right now. We have a physical, like a visible watermark that you can watch and see. And we also have like cryptographic watermarking that you can use to detect if a video is generated or not. And so there's definitely that. But I would say most importantly, the watermark that we need to build as a society is the acknowledgement that this is possible. And so the moment you start becoming more exposed and being able to see and being able to like recognize that content can be generated, you start assimilating it and becoming more part of your like normal life, right? So if you watch a movie, if you go and watch, I don't know, Jurassic Park or The Avengers, you know that's not a real movie, right? That's not actually the, how the world works. Like people are not flying and dinosaurs are not walking through the streets. Now, if you watch that movie hundred years ago, people will freaked out people will be like, whoa, there are dinosaurs in the streets, right? Because there weren't an acknowledgement and exposure to the technology enough where you're like, okay, I get it. It's like some stuff can be like fictional and I like it. I like it. That's fictional. Even today, you can pretty much generate a video of anything. It's just like the cost is pretty high. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, what I find interesting is that people think about generative stuff as this like deceptive or very fictional, like imaginary worlds. The movie, The Social Network by David Fincher, has, I think, more CGI than like science fiction movies these days. You just can't tell. It's so good, so well taught, so well created. If you have enough skills, you can do it and it's happening. And sometimes you
2: don't even realize. Chris, what is the current state of the technology? What is it really being used for today on a day-to-day basis? What's the number one use case? I've been to the website. I've seen it. You know, you can generate these uh, small clips, I believe, from prompts. Is it being mostly used in Hollywood? You mentioned there are people around the world using it for things. We'd love to dive into technology as it is today, and then also have some follow-ups based on like what are the challenges to overcome to getting it to realize this beautiful vision of yours.
0: On the first question, we're early, very early stages still. Like Gen two was the first commercial model, and perhaps like the first ever model that was able to, and still is able to generate like long sequences of video up to eighteen seconds. And it's already being used by millions of people who are creating everything from future films. There's someone who made like a, an hour and a half movie with it and short films as well and everything in between. And so it's used a lot for video, like final outputs or like video content and also for pre-production. So visualizing, for storyboarding, for everything that happens before you actually make the final output. Even though it's very early, you start seeing like adoption in both spectrums. I think we're... In the analogy of the camera, it's like we're still in the black and white faces of the camera. No sound, kind of like early. It doesn't look exactly like fully there yet, but it's advancing really, really rapidly. I mean, if I show you our research five years ago on video generation and where we're at right now, it's just like magnitudes of times better, and it's only going to get better from here on. And so the challenge are now, I guess, on the second question around cost and what's required, it's a big investment. This is like a really hard problem to solve. You're solving like video, which is a very hard and content, which is a very hard thing to solve. And so compute from the one end for sure to train large models becomes like incredibly important. But most importantly, I would say the biggest challenge is just, I would say having the right knowledge and vision to do this for like the next 10, 20, 30 years, like every month. It's not about a model or a singular data set or a single like architecture, it's about figuring out how to do that every week, every month, every year, relentless. Like just inventing and inventing and innovating and innovating and keeping that kind of like, pace of innovation at the core of what you do. I think that's more interesting and challenging than compute and resources and everything else that for sure are hard, but like you can solve if you have the right, the right people.
2: Have you thought about using this incredible technology you're developing to generate your own content as well, like similar to a little bit like Pixar did back when it kind of developed this new generation of animation, computer-generated animation? It seems to me like you might, you know, having runway studios may make a lot of sense and you're just churning out a lot of content uh, would show the power of what you're doing as well as allow you to one day license it to others.
0: Yeah, exactly. And that's why we have actually Runway Studios is we have a division of Runway that creates, produces and partners with other creatives to make content. We've been heavily inspired by the Pixar story and what they were able to do. I mean, Pixar for us is a great example of merging both, as I was saying before at the beginning, like art and science. You have exceptional artists working with different tiers of technology, coming up with tools that no one thought were even, like, imaginable. Like, for sure, animation now becomes, like, an obvious thing. But if you see the first ever, like, Pixar demos, like, from the 80s and 90s, like, you, most people thought it was a toy. Most people thought it was, like, just a quick, interesting thing. But no one took it seriously until it became perhaps one of the most uh, relevant, like, forms of storytelling these days. And so for us, it's very similar. And that, that comes from the space of knowing how to, again, build a team, build the right culture and the right philosophy of product that merges both storytelling and science. But yeah, Pixar for us is being like a great example of where we see the company going in the next couple of years as well.
1: What got me really excited about having you on this podcast is when Amjad said that everything, everywhere, all at once, which I think is an amazing movie, used your tech. So I was wondering how you go from like eight second videos to I guess a full movie. You said it was used to make a one and a half hour Movie and then I guess related to that, how did how did everything every all at once use your tech?
0: Yeah, the story about everything every all at once is fascinating. I don't know if you guys have watched the movie or not. It's uh, I would say one of my favorite movies. It's beautiful. I watched the movie when it first came out. It was like very much under the radar, like small cinemas. I watched it in New York and like cinema in like Bushwick before it became a world sensation and. And when I watched it, I just became obsessed with it and started to like go deeper into who made it and the visual effects artists behind it. But then I came across a post from one of the directors, the Daniels, who were saying that the v- the editing team was just compromised of seven people. When I heard that, I was like, "That that can be true! Like seven people doesn't make any sense! <laughs> like I was expecting hundreds of thousands of people, maybe." And no, it was just seven people, I think, seven and a half. You have like a freelancer, perhaps like eight at some point, but it was like seven people who were both doing the editing and the visual effects. And that just blew my mind. It's like, these guys are like, just first of all, incredibly talented, like incredibly great artists, but also like insane. Like, how do you make a movie that complex with seven people? I searched for their, like, who were the people behind it. And then I went into runway and searched for them in our like, user registry, and most of them have accounts with Runway, which was like unexpected. So reach reached out to them and I spoke with them and it happened to be that they actually used some of our tools for a few scenes in the movie because they were trying to find ways of automating and simplifying the editing process. And so that for me represents a great example and a great like taste of what's to come in the filmmaking process where teams of very small Incredibly creative, incredibly talented people that don't have to have hundreds of millions of dollars in resources or a lot of industry experience and connections can just execute an idea with the right tools to the point where you can win seven Academy Awards, which is what the movie did. And so for me, more than like a beautiful movie and an incredible team of creatives, I think that movie also represents a signal of what's to come. Small teams, great tools, making content that will win like awards, (laughs) like Academy Awards. I've been looking now for the next set of creators that will do something like
1: that. So let's say you have a scene where there's supposed to be a, I don't think I'm giving anything too much in the movie, but there's supposed to be a floating (laughs) bagel thing. Normally you'd use CGI to insert that floating bagel. And that scene is like, you know, whatever, two minutes long. How does the creator go from Like this kind of empty scene, no bagel to bagel using runway. Like, is it like they do it eight seconds at a time? Is that kind of the idea?
0: It depends. Creating a film or creating anything, it's a process. And so we actually, it's funny enough, we released a set of, we call them footage package. And it's AI generated video that you can generate anything. So we're just showing you how to generate a few things. And there's one pack of content that's called floating bags. We're kind of like, it's kind of a joke, but it's actually true. It's just plastic bags floating in the air, It's just like camera angles of floating plastic bags. And the way you create those is you can do one of two things. You can just type in like, I want to see a floating plastic bag in the air and like in the specific style or a specific like angle or direction. And then the model will render and create it for you. The other one is you might actually take a picture, for example, of a bag or of a bagel, let's say, or for anything you want. And you upload that picture into Runway and then tell the model, animate this. Make it, like, move to the left. Make it move to the right, to the top. I want to see, like, a view from, like, I want to zoom out or I want to zoom in or I want to move the camera to the left. So you can do those kind of things. We A couple of weeks ago, released this new feature in Runway called Director Mode, where you can basically take a model and move the camera angles in any way you want. This is all generated. Like, you're just generating every view as you continue to go. And that's where I go. It's like, depending on the creative idea that you have as a filmmaker, in this case, the bagel, you can start from either text or an image or a combination of both. It's very free and very kind of like empowering to do so. But yeah, you can use a combination of different things like that.
1: Oh, that's cool. What is the limiting factor here? Is it GPU power? Like, do we need like order of magnitude more GPUs or is it kind of algorithms or is it a bit of both to, you know, go from eight seconds to 80 seconds, let's say?
0: A bit of everything, although I would say that like generating a movie is not about like creating or generating a story or short film. It's not about generating like eighty seconds of continuous video like if you look the history of filmmaking has gone through uh average durations of like minutes to like I think the average scene duration these days is like four and a half seconds, which means that when you're watching a film, you're just watching scenes stitched together that on average are like four and a half seconds before scenes used to be way longer because of a technical constraint, which is like the roles of actual like physical footage had a time limit or a amount of frames that you can shoot. So the director was like, OK, we have one shot. We need to like really use these two shots really well. And we're just going to shoot a continuous shot. Now you, you don't care because it's all digital. So you can just kind of like shoot whatever you want, which changes the nature of how you stitch them together. And so for us, it's less about how do we make sure we can generate 80 seconds of one singular shot that you will and you can. You can do 20 seconds now, but more about how you have consistency of the objects and the characters as you change the scene. So if I'm recording you, for example, walking in the street, I might want a shot from like your face. And maybe then like in the next four seconds, I want a shot from like, I don't know, from the top And then I want to see your shoes. And I combine those together to tell a much more convincing story. Now the challenge is like consistency of those scenes every time you change the camera.
1: And is that like an algorithmic challenge? Right. Like making sure the algorithms can understand the context between the scenes.
0: It's exactly right. That's the right word. Like language models have like context window problems. It's like how much can you remember of what I've said before? This is like somehow think about it very similarly. It's like. How do you make sure that the style continues to be persistent as you change the
2: camera and like the style? What's the business plan to some degree? How do you monetize? How do you think eventually you're going to have to fund, you're going to have to be profitable, right? We talked about Pixar earlier. Pixar obviously had a challenging first decade. I mean, they almost went bankrupt. And that's why they needed like the $5 million or whatever Steve Jobs put in and made him like, you know, a majority owner or a big owner. They almost went bankrupt before they launched Toy Story. So how do you kind of make sure that you can fund this multi-decade long project and remain profitable?
0: The one thing to keep always keep in mind to make sure you're milking things that actually people want is you need to work really closely with your users. Like for us, that's the philosophy of Runway from the very beginning is like we're building tools for humans, for human creativity. Then let's work as close as we can with those people, with the, the filmmakers of the world, with the artists of the world. The obsession of models and technology that we've seen recently with this, like, most recent, like, AI boom has shown us that sometimes we obsess too much around performance and models, but don't obsess too much about how people are going to use those models. And so for us, like, a common and constant reminder is to think about use cases. And that goes back to business models. We have millions of users that range from, like, award-winning filmmakers to TikTok creators just searching TikTok for Runway or Gen 2, and you see a bunch of stuff being created. It's so liberating and so great to be able to create content in this form that people are now paying for it. And it's a subscription system. It's a very simple, like SaaS, you get unlimited credits or limited generations. And therefore, companies companies care less about AI. AI is, like, I think, uh, a great story, but inside a company where you care about is just driving the cost down. If you're a production company or a studio, you want to make sure that executing your ideas as effective and efficient as possible. And so for them, it's about making sure that iteration and creation happens faster than ever before. And we have plans and offerings that kind of like tackle and help them do exactly that. So our goal is always to come back to that. Like we're building some of the most impactful and fundamental research in the space. We've invented a whole category that never existed before. But that's not enough. Like it's enough the moment you start really obsessing with how people are going to be using those. And that's what we do every day.
1: You've raised, I think, more than 150 million. Do you feel pressure from VCs? Obviously, you have a very creative vision. I think they are thoughtful, long-term thinking VCs, but they obviously want returns <laughs> at some point. Do you feel any pressure like that? Or or have you found that it's easy to kind of focus on the kind of vision?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think picking the right investor, right really matters out there There are really bad investors and they're really great investors and picking like who do you want to work with is like a very important thing because if you're not aligned on the vision and again if i show you a video of what we had five years ago and VC might tell me like great like do something else i'll be like no we're doing this and we're like not stopping until we get it to work and now you see the results of gen 2 and you're like oh of course that makes sense <laughs> but if someone was telling us like five years ago don't like it's not gonna work, and so we've chosen, and we've been fortunate enough to just be able to work with the people who really want to work and that believe in the mission long term. Like this is a company we're building a generational company. We're building something. We're inventing a category. We want to make sure we continue that path by making big, bold, and long term bets rather than like short term, like specific local optimum bets. That matters a lot. Just pick your investors really rightly, and
1: we, I think we we have. I guess one last question for me. Yeah, this is not runway related. When you look at AI and creativity in general, what do you think is kind of underrated? Like what are people not looking at that will impress them or blow their minds? Or do you think it's all kind of a little overhyped? There's definitely a lot of hype that's kind
0: of like obvious these days. I think people are obsessing around models and like research for the sake of research. And I think that's a huge mistake. That's That's the moment you miss the point of why it's gonna be useful. And so the thing that's underlooked is the products and the people using these models. And so I'm not a huge fan of those like rankings and benchmarks of people like finding like arbitrary measurements of models to just rank them first or second or third. That's great for engineering purposes and for like regional scientists, but I think we're transitioning from like research to product and impact. And people need to focus way more on like use cases rather than like every fancy new thing that comes around. It can be eye-catching and it's great, but like long-term, like I think always focus on value.
1: Chris, this was awesome. Really appreciate you kind of spending the time going through the vision and what you're building is just super impressive. So excited to see the future unfold.
0: Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me here. It was a great chat.
2: Chris, very inspirational. We're cheering for you to win because we all could use these tools. Thank you. That was a really fun interview with Chris. What do you think, Raj? I love it, man. I love his like knowledge of the history and the and the analogy about the camera and the fact that he really has a lot of empathy for creatives. It's not like the, you can tell this is like a mission for him. It's not like yeah. something that um you know, he's doing because he wants to build a company. He just he just loves the technology. He loves what it, the power it can give to creative people. And yeah, I thought I thought he was like the perfect like founder type person to do this, you know, and he's ready to do this for like decades.
1: Yeah, he's got this real almost philosophical view on the company, which is interesting, right? Like I think Runway is valued more than a billion. Like Most of the entrepreneurs I've met with companies are unicorns, like they're very like practical business people, whereas Chris is much more like, this is how we'll transform the world with
2: this technology, which is kind of cool to see. I thought it was super cool. Yeah, and I think the technology is hard though. I honestly think it's super hard <laughs> what they're going to try to do like um it's really far away from where it needs to be. Yeah, it's super ambitious. But even I don't know if you've seen the
1: like the demo video for Gen 2. I think it's on the internet. People should go see it. I could not have imagined that like AI could produce anything like that like even 2 years ago, right? So, you know, even you feel like okay, the end vision is like very hard and very far away maybe or quite far away. But what it can do now is just insane. Like this stuff is like it just seems like magic.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's great to see what they've been able to do so far. I wonder, like, at what point do the costs of like computing have to be cheap enough for it to be actually cheaper than to use, you know, this type of product versus like you know humans? Yeah,
1: to go record it.
2: Yeah, maybe we were there already, but it seems to me like it's going to be very expensive to make movies. You know, much more expensive than say for like open AI.
1: Well, I mean, CGI costs so much, though. You know, some of these movies that are heavy CGI, they're like $400 million to produce these movies. So I don't know if, like, cost is the limiting factor, especially for these high-end movies.
2: Do you think quality, then, is going to be the main limiting factor?
1: I think that that idea around, like, context and, like... It's not kind of hallucination, but, like, you know, what you expect in, like, a production away movie is like everything is very consistent and like all like you know very high quality etc like that that's going to take a while to get to it's it's the combination of kind of context and exact execution being it's like very exacting I mean everything everywhere all at once which is an amazing movie but you know it's not that kind of level of like exacting requirements like it's surrealistic as a movie yeah. i don't know if surreal is yeah. the right word but like that's kind of the feeling of it anyway so like a little bit of like craziness just fits it really well
2: yeah it feels like you're like taking psychedelics right and you're like watching uh, you know. yeah yeah exactly yeah. yeah you
1: you expect like some insane like things and the pixels not working and all that kind of stuff it, it just fits that movie really well yeah <laughs>
2: it's a generative ai type of movie made by humans
1: I wonder actually, maybe that's like kind of interesting. Maybe there's going to be a whole bunch of movies that are just less kind of crazy psychedelic type movies that like the technology switches the art into the technological form rather than the art switching the technology. That'll be kind of an interesting element of the
2: next few years. I mean, like that's how you mentioned the camera, right? Like, camera created a whole new art form, and maybe this will create a whole new art form where you're like surrealistic art form, as you've mentioned, right? I think that could be really interesting, and, and yeah, yeah, I mean, and maybe these guys can be the leader in, in that space. If he's able to realize his vision relatively soon, it's going to really change the game.
1: I think one sense I got from it is that it will always require a reasonable amount of editing. I guess maybe AI could do the editing too, but you know, it's not just like you have some idea, you put the text, and like you get a great video. It's going to be like you have the idea, you put the text, the video doesn't quite match the idea, and then you kind of bend it towards you and i mean the idea that chris had around like an ai that like is personal to you understands your taste and making a movie in like this style and this feeling and this kind of like lighting and color and all of that stuff and then it bends the generation to your particular personalized kind of customized taste that would be kind of a cool concept on top of the kind of just generation side
2: let me think of like a really cool use case of this which might be like tell the movie of my childhood or tell the movie of, like, Imad's childhood, you know.
1: Oh, that'd be cool. And then it could, like, plug together all of your film reel. Yeah.
2: Yeah. All the videos taken about you, all the photos, like, interviews with your parents. Like, there could be a lot of stuff that, like, goes into that and that comes out with, like, a movie, you know. I think it could be really interesting, you know. Like, next time you do an interview with a journalist, you don't talk about your childhood. You're, like, showing a video about, you know, your childhood.
1: Yeah. It might be good for wedding type things it's like oh you know you just put in all your kind of first date etc and it puts together you know people do that sometimes for weddings they make like or engagements they make like a little little video but it's obviously pretty low quality but it will be kind of cool for ai to generate like something kind of yeah i mean this is the kind of stuff right like this is like the idea of a uh, movie of like a random person's life like that just doesn't exist so yeah, when we were talking about kind of new forms of art and entertainment existing that just don't exist like yeah there will be like a lot more kind of ubiquitous videos i guess which would like generated from nothing which is kind of a cool concept
2: yeah as if we don't have enough content already right i gotta catch up on all my netflix (laughs) shows (laughs) now i'm gonna have to catch up on like everybody's Personal stories. It's going to take a lot of work.
1: Yeah. I guess maybe the content will be more personalized, right? Instead of watching Netflix, you're going to be watching like the thing that your friend created yesterday. Yeah, that would be kind of interesting.
2: Can't wait for that longevity technology so we have more time to watch all the content that we're going to be
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or maybe we could do with some like brain technology to speed up how quickly we can process these things oh you know what we will use we will use another ai to summarize the video <laughs> back to text <laughs> back to the prompt <laughs> yeah maybe just we could just the skip the video notes. part altogether yeah. <laughs> just give me the prompt <laughs> uh, all right all right i think
2: we've been enough meta here this was fun <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right.
1: all right anyway great conversation